This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. But I want you to get your Bibles or use the screens. Those of you in the overflows, downstairs, wherever you are in the halls, those of you that are watching, I love you. We thank God for you being able to sit, watch a screen, being able to be so far away and yet be so close. It's like God. He's imminent and imminent. He's right here with us and he's wholly other. He sits high and he looks low, but he sits in our lap as we open the word of God and share it. It's called specific revelation where God has revealed himself to us in the person of Jesus and in the written word of God. So he's touchable, tangible, and I thank God. I wouldn't serve a God I couldn't feel and a God that I couldn't know. I need about 10 people to say amen. All other gods are no gods at all, but our God, he is God. So, Father, thank you now, and I pray that you would shift us into a receptive mode as we now participate in the preaching of this word, that people watching and people present will know that you are who you say you are and that there is power in the name of Yahshua Hamashiach, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We love you and we thank you. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Put your hands together for the word of the Lord. Thank you, Clay. I want to say to you tonight, I want to say to the people watching all over the world that there is power in the name of Jesus. I thought when I said that, I thought that the people of God who really know that to be true and have experienced that commentary in your own life, I thought that I'd have to hold you back or hold you down. I thought I'd have to tell you to sit down because I got to finish the message. But I've come tonight to let the world know that there is power in the name of Jesus. Yet the name of Jesus is one of the most controversial names in the world. Matter of fact, it is the most controversial name in the world. It has actually become offensive to so many people around the world. Yes, the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ has become offensive to so many people. It's banned in many public circles in America and around the world. The name is literally banned. You cannot speak it in certain circles. Periodicals and newspapers have banned the mention of Jesus and refused to print that name in their periodicals. Billboards have been ordered to be removed just because it bore the name of Jesus. Pastor Bonnie shocked us today with these type of statistics to show you the kind of world we live in and the atmosphere that we have to serve our Christ in. Newscasters, I've seen it happen, have been steered away from mentioning the name of Jesus. I've been interviewed by CNN News and they come to me and they want my commentary on certain things. And when I begin to talk about Jesus, I feel like the Apostle Paul at Mars Hill when they were standing around and they were worshiping every kind of God there was. And he found a statue that had an inscription to the unknown God, the unknown God who they ignorantly worship. And so Paul began to talk about the resurrection. And when he got to talking about the resurrection, they shut down and they said, we'll hear you at some other time. I was being interviewed by CNN and they asked me about some things that I was doing and some stuff that was going on. And I said, you know, Jesus said, and then Dr. Manley backed up and said, wait, we need to stick to the subject. And this is the subject. Jesus said that so on and so on. And so as I began to speak Jesus, my time on CNN got shorter and shorter and shorter. And then by the time they edited a 35 minute conversation or interview I had 24 seconds on CNN and no mention of Jesus so newscasters are told to stay away they've gone as far as to call Jesus the J word instead of mentioning the name of Jesus and they say it's in fear of offending others of other religions of other faiths that they say that if you say the name of Jesus um, the Jews and the Muslims and the Buddhists and the Hindus and Confucianists uh, will all get offended. So we need to be careful. Now, notice I said the Jews and the Hindus and the Buddhists and uh, the difference in Jesus and those religions is that the founders of those religions are all dead. 
And I think the real problem is, is our founder is still alive and well. He's still living. And, and the difference in, in our, our founder, in, in Jesus, and, and the founders of other religions, even the, uh, the, the great prophets of these other religions, is that we're the only religion in the world out of the six major religions that exist on this planet. We're the only religion in the world that believes our founder is God. That Jesus is God. Come on, y'all. He's Emmanuel, but just being interpreted God with us. Paul wrote and he said, great is the mystery of godliness and that God was manifest in the flesh. Uh, we beheld him as the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. He was the word in the beginning and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So we hold that in high esteem. And I want to declare that today, that our founder is alive and well. And I want to declare that not only is Jesus Lord, but he is God. And he purchased us with his own blood. Many courts around the world have passed laws banning the use of the name of Jesus in public prayers, including sporting events, uh, government council meetings, city council meetings, many parliaments, and, and even in our country right now, it's graduation season. I just had a graduation this past week. Our high school that we have, our academy, just had a graduation. And I remember I was asked to perform my first graduation ceremony for a high school that was in the neighborhood that I grew up in. Now, I know the neighborhood that I grew up in. The neighborhood I grew up in, they loved the Lord. <laughs> they loved the Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't know him then, but I got the call to preach. We were in this huge auditorium like under this one, and the place was full. It was packed. But I got a memo before I arrived, and the memo said that when you speak at this graduation, you cannot bring a Bible to the podium, and you cannot speak the name of Jesus. Now, this is a woman who grew up in our community, and she should know better than that. So she invited me out. She said, now, if you say Jesus, you got to say Krista, Buddha, Muhammad, Allah. You got to give equal time to everybody. And so I got it, and I almost didn't go. But something on the inside moved on the outside. And I showed up with my Derringer in my pocket. I had my Bible in my pocket, my little pocket Bible. She said, don't bring the Bible to the podium. So I brought it in my pocket to the podium. And when I got to the podium, I said, I want to say one thing to all of you who have worked so hard to help your children graduate and who are working so hard to send them to universities and working so hard and pray for them that they'll go in the military and become good, honest citizens and be productive. I just want to say one thing to you. Before I came here today, I got a memo that said that if I'm going to say the name of Jesus, then I had to say Krishna, Buddha, Muhammad, Allah, Confucius, and so I have. And then they said I could not bring this Bible to the post. And I just want you to know that I got the memo, but I want you to know I got another memo. And I want you to know that if I'm going to do surgery here today, I need to have my utensils. I need to have my tools in order to do surgery, in order to help these people out. You're not hearing me here. And I said, you know, the reason why, the real reason why I got the memo is because I'm telling you that name Jesus is the only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. They're afraid that I'm going to say it and somebody gets delivered. They're afraid I'm going to say it. And when I turned around the superintendent of schools and I turned around the principals from other schools had on full graduation garb and they had their skirts up and they were dancing behind me because they knew better than that foolishness and they were just waiting on somebody that would defy the odds that would stand up like a Daniel dare to be a Daniel dare to stand alone dare to have a purpose firm dare to make it known dare to be a Daniel dare to stand alone dare to have a purpose firm dare to make it known. And I made it known that day for the Lord I'll live and the Lord I'll die. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Like Polycarp, you can burn me at the stake if you want to because God has been too good to me for me to denounce my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He said to them, Nero, you burn me for a moment, but you'll burn in hell eternally. Somebody throw your head back and shout glory. But for those of you who are in here, those of you who are watching at home 
or wherever you are. The name of Jesus is not meant to be offensive. It's not meant to be divisive. It's not taboo. There's no other name under heaven. Give it among men whereby we must be saved. Peter preached it on the first Pentecost, the first uh, Christian uh, message, the first message on the resurrection. And when he preached it, it pricked the hearts of men. And they came running saying, what must we do to be delivered, to be saved? The name of Jesus. He told them the same Jesus you crucified. God has raised him up and made him Lord over all. Glory be to God. And they came, thousands of them, and gave their hearts to the Lord. So Peter left Pentecost and he started preaching throughout Jerusalem. And he got arrested, beaten, thrown in jail, and then released. And then when he was released from prison, he was given some instructions. Acts 4.18 says, so they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach at all in the name of Jesus. My, my, my. How you going to tell me not to teach at all or preach at all in the name of Jesus? Notice who he's talking to, Peter. I'm talking cussing, knife-toting Peter. I'm talking done forsook the Lord and denied him three times Peter. I'm talking about Peter who Jesus showed up to and forgave him for all that foolishness. I'm talking to Peter who he gave the keys to. I'm talking to Peter. And listen, Peter had no business on the day of Pentecost preaching with his crazy self. So how in the world is Peter, y'all not helping me here, gonna go from denying the Lord to being the keynote speaker at the first action conference in AD 33? How in the world did that happen? It's because because of the grace and the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Peter knew that it was according to God's mercy that he had been redeemed and brought to that place. So beat me if you want to. Shut me down. Try if you want to. Like Paul when he was stoned and left for dead at Lystra. Once I get up from here, I'm going right back into the town and I'm going to preach it one more time. Why? Because there is power in the name of Jesus. So the Bible says, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let me give you a quick testimony. In 1983, I did it. I had money. I had fame. I was a pretty good basketball player. I was still playing basketball just out of college and having a good time. Had the best job in town. I had stuff. I had big house, fast cars, but I didn't have peace. And then one day sitting at home with a glass of whiskey in one hand and marijuana in the other. flashback but don't go back whiskey in one hand marijuana in the other and Prince was singing tonight I'm going to party like it's 1999 I was sitting there in that house with this God sized hole in me empty and I called on the name of Jesus I said Jesus if you're real help me save me and here I am today. You think William McDowell been through something to get here? Here I am today. So we as Christians believe in a real God. But also we believe in a real devil. But the devil, we have to set the record straight, is not competing with God to be God. God is God all by himself. Beside him, there is no God. He is holy other. He is supreme. He's Elohim. He's God all sufficient. El Shaddai. God. He is just God. Nobody counsels him. Nobody sends him down to teach him anything. And he says, if I was hungry, I wouldn't even tell you. God is God all by himself. So the devil is not competing with God to be God. He's a fallen created being. He messed around and boasted of exalted himself above the throne or the authority of God. And when he did that, he was cast out of the presence of God from heaven to earth. Jesus said in the Gospels that I saw him as lightning fall out of heaven. I think I need to make mention right now, though, of the introduction of Satan to the text and the devil in the Bible and an introduction of Satan's affairs in the life of men. I'll introduce something, a theological concept called the law of first mention. It simply means that the very first time any important word is mentioned in the Bible, Scripture gives the word, that word, its most complete and accurate meaning. So when you see it for the first time, you can get from that first mention the complete an accurate meaning. 
So in Genesis 3 and 1, here comes the devil. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Notice key word here, first mentioned, subtle. He was subtle. He was shrewd. He was crafty. He was clever. He was sly. He was devious. He was deceitful. He was honest. And he's still shrewd. And he's still crafty. And he's still clever. And he's still sly. And he's still devious, deceitful, and dishonest. Now remember, Bonnie told us this morning, we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. These are some of the characteristics of the evil one. So when we know how he is, we know how to deal with it. You have family members like that. You know they're crazy, so you deal with them like they're crazy. Or you know they have issues, so you know how to handle them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When God reveals something about the enemy, make note because he doesn't change. He's like God. He's not advancing or creating. What he has done, he will do. So when we know his tactics, he's not creative. God is creator. God is creative. Satan is an imitator. He can only imitate. That's what he does with music. That's what he does with other things. He perverts it because he can't create it because he's a created being and he cannot make something himself. God made him and then shut him down. Y'all not helping me here. Isaiah 54 says that God creates the the smith that makes the weapons and God will never allow what he made destroy what he saved. God has a way of keeping us. So I say that to say this, the first mention of the devil in the Bible, he's a deceiver and a liar. He says to Eve, yea, have God said, you shall not eat every tree in the garden. The question causes the woman Eve to begin to question what God had actually said. Satan is subtle, remember, cunning, crafty, and devious. A devious person thinks of ways to trip you up to make your life miserable. They just sit around and think of things that they can do to throw you off and to make your life miserable. Do you have anybody in your life that you could call devious that you know are lying in wait just to trip you up? They lie at your door like sin ready to trap you. Does anybody here know what I'm talking about? These people are influenced by the enemy. You may not want to call him the devil, but Jesus had no problem calling Peter the devil. And so you need to understand that sometimes you can act like the devil and maybe you're a little devious. Maybe that's why you can't say anything. Maybe you're the one that that is devious. He thinks of something the devil does to trip the people of God, Adam and Eve in this case, up. He twists God's word. Peter says, like the others do, unto their own destruction. He introduces, as it were, doubt. And man uh, begins to question uh, his relationship with God. This is why so many people today doubt and question their relationship with God. They doubt and question even God's love for them. And this is why I chose this text. It started in the garden, and the devil, is devious, still uses it today. Satan's mission was accomplished. He knew what would happen if man and God stayed on one accord. There would be the be fruitful and multiply, replenish, increase, and subdue and have dominion. He knew he had to separate them, and so that he did. Enter doubt and unbelief. The act of independence by Adam was sin's door of entry. Now, through the disobedience of one man, sin has passed on us all. Now, all that are born of a woman are born into sin, severed relationally from God and incapable of having communion with God, except they be born again. And so that's how we got to where we are today. Just a Reader's Digest version, just a short cliff note version of how we got to where we are. So that's where I was at 26 years of age. I was alienated from God, did not know him or what it took to get back in relationship with him. So this is what makes the good news the good news. How did man and God finally reconcile? How can we approach a holy God and have a relationship with him? I'm glad you ask. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that whosoever believeth on him should not have to perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's another place I thought I was going to have to hold you back and hold you down, because that verse epitomizes the gospel message that God loved you in spite of you, that 
God sent his only son to die for you and that all you have to do is believe on him and you can receive eternal life. Satan hates this message. He hates it. He hates me. He hates you. He's just a hater. But you got to turn your hater into an elevator. He hates you, but you got to allow him to take you higher. So this message has done everything. He did to stop you, to keep people uh, where they were. So people like me, 26 years uh, old, uh, I was kept from hearing the gospel message. I did not hear my first sermon until I was 26 years old. I had never read a Bible. I had never been through the doorways of a church building, but one time in my life, my wife calls me the ultimate heathen. I was an absolute heathen. I was lost. I had no knowledge of God. I tried transcendental meditation. I tried Islam. I tried black consciousness. I tried the power movement. I tried all of these different things. I went through some stuff in my mind, new age stuff. I just thought about it, never really got deep into it, but I knew that that wasn't it. I knew that there was something more. And then one day a man that I went to college with came to me and opened up the Bible and he looked me right in my face with all my money in my pocket, with my fast cars with my pretty clothes and he said popcorn that was my nickname what does it profit a man if you should gain the whole world and lose your soul what is it all these things that you have if you die tonight fool whose will these things be now two things happened now number one he messed with my stuff number two he called me a fool now we used to fight when you called me a fool when we talked like that but I knew there was something different about him and then later I understood it so I chose to talk about Jesus tonight because many who are not Christian are hearing less and less and less and less and less and less and less of the name of Jesus. We can go into services and hear about how we're going to make it and what we're going to do and how we're going to overcome, but we don't hear how it's going to happen and it ain't going to happen without Jesus. Jesus is the reason for every season. And I chose to talk about Jesus tonight because without him tonight, our meeting is in vain. This telecast is in vain. The overflows are in vain. The concert tomorrow is in vain. If not for Jesus, where would we be? Jesus is the reason I'm in Zimbabwe. I love Pastor Tom and Bonnie, but Jesus, if there is no resurrection, then the Bible says that our meeting is in vain. So God and man have been reconciled. Now here's the message. The enemy uses craftiness and deceit and dishonesty while God uses love and patience and something called grace and mercy. The bloodhounds of God on your trail of grace and mercy. God uses it. If the enemy can keep you from the Bible, I heard you, Bonnie. If he can keep you from the Bible, he can keep you from God's intended plan for your life. You'll never know who you are unless you get in the word of God. You'll never know what God's plans are concerning you unless you get in the word of God. You won't be able to defeat the enemy when he comes after you except you get in the word of God. Jesus is our perfect example. He was tempted after 40 days and 40 nights of fasting in the wilderness. And when Satan came to him and he was hungry, he told him to do this. And he says, it is written. He said, well, do that. He says, it is written. He said, well, do this. He says, it is written. If you don't know what is written, you're not going to be able to resist the devil when temptation comes. Come on. I need about 55 people that need to know the word of God. So the word tells us that God loves us. And we say God loves us and he has a wonderful plan for our lives. For those of you that are watching by television, he does love us. And he does have a... um, a wonderful plan for your life. If you give yourself away, if you give yourself to him, many have been deceived into thinking that God doesn't love them. We've got these disruptive images of God where people think that God is some gray head judge that sits on the throne with a guillotine ready to cut your head off every time you make a mistake. But I'm come to tell somebody tonight, your mistakes qualify you to become a child of God. Your mistakes qualify you. Come on, y'all. When the banks hire you, they do a background check, right? And they want a fingerprint, right? And they want to make sure you've never stolen anything. They want to make sure that you're not a habitual liar. They want to make sure that you've got a healthy family situation. They want to make sure that you're not a robber, that you're not a thief, all right? But when you come to God and you put your resume in, God looks at it and says, thief, robber, liar, (laughs) my boy, (laughs) my girl, 
Those things qualify you to be used by God because you have to have had a past. You have to have admitted and realized that you need a savior. You'll never get saved until you realize you need a savior. You'll never be saved. You have to admit that you've fallen short of God's purposes and plan for your life. So he says, watch this. Watch this. He says, God doesn't love you. Satan comes and gets in your ear and says, look at you. You got issues. You have problems. You have faults. You have sins. You're to this and you're to that. But I want to help you on this day. Listen to this. God loves you. And he has a wonderful plan for your life. Now, watch this. I don't understand it. Because I'm looking at you. If I was God, all y'all would be in hell. It'd be trouble off up in here. Because <laughs> if you misrepresented me and, and did me wrong and this and that. See, I'm not God. I'm glad that no man is God. I'm glad that God is not a man. I, I, I can't tell you why God loves us like he does. I don't have a reason to show you for it. He just does. I think one thing I can look at is in 1 John where he says, well, God doesn't have love. He is love. God, God, God doesn't have a glass of water. He is a glass of water. God, God, God is consistent with himself and he's always loving. He said, Moses, I'm going to show you my loving kindness and my tender mercies. This is why I haven't consumed these people and destroyed them since they've been acting crazy ever since I brought them up out of the land of Egypt. But because of myself, I, I, I balance myself with myself. I'm a just God. I must be assuaged. I, I must be appeased. Uh, I, I need propitiation, expiation. I need all those different things. But I am God. I am love. And so I balance myself with myself. The reason I don't destroy them is because of me, not them. And that's all God is saying. The reason you're here today is not that you love him, but that he first, you. I wish I had a church in here that understood this. So I want to give you a verse that you'll need whenever the enemy comes to make you doubt and speaks in your ear and make you doubt God's love for you. It's in James chapter four, verse seven. It says, submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Oh, y'all got to get this. When he gets in your ear, you got to tell the devil, I ain't listening to you. Shut up. But you can't do it in your own power. You have to submit yourself, therefore, to God. Then you resist the devil and then the devil will flee from you. When we resist the devil, the Bible says he will flee. But we have to resist him in the name of of Jesus. Now name means authority by the power given. And so we have the power of attorney to use the name of Jesus. It's not just Jesus where we just say Jesus, because if you ask the seven sons of Sceva, you can say Jesus all day long. But the seven, those demons said, Paul, we know Jesus, we know, but who are you? Who are you provoking and invoking, rather, the name of Jesus in this situation? And some people have called, Jesus, Jesus, I need you, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And them demons say, well, Paul, I know. Bishop McLaughlin, I do know. (laughs) But who are you? When we resist, in the name of Jesus, he will flee. So we have to tell the enemy to shut up in Jesus' name. You see, the name of Jesus calls all of heaven on our side. There was a woman who was demon-possessed. The powers of witchcraft had her. But listen to what happened. Acts 16, 16 is on the screen. Now it happened, as we went to prayer, that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, glory to God, turned and said to, I feel much better now, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. I'm trying to tell you that there is power in the name of Jesus. Our weapon is the name of Jesus. Our authority 
It's in Jesus' name. Over and over again throughout the New Testament, people have been healed and delivered and set free because of the name of Jesus. There was a man that was lame, had never walked, and they were heading to the gate where he would lay every day asking alms. And Peter and John, seeing him and he seeing them, fixed their eyes on him and he on them. And he looked at them and he looked and they perceived he had the faith to be healed. Looked at them. They looked at him and they said, this silver and gold have we none but such as we have in the name of Jesus take up your bed and walk I said there's power in the name of Jesus there's healing in the name of Jesus there's deliverance in the name of Jesus so in the book of Acts it was the government and religious leaders that said that the name of Jesus couldn't be used to preach or taught in public places in debates and public speeches and nothing today has changed it's the same Sanhedrin it's the same religious quo today but the name of Jesus shuts the devil up the name of Jesus shuts down the works of the devil but keep in mind it's not just miming the words as I shared with you before you have to have a relationship with Jesus you got to have a personal relationship with Jesus he's got to be your elder brother and the father has got to be Abba to you and the Holy Spirit has got to be your compadre your guide your teacher your sakura your comfort your helper, your go-between, your lawyer, your intercessor. You've got to be wrapped up, tangled up, and tied up in the divine trinity. You've got to find life in it. You've got to be wallowing in it. You've got to be totally sold out. When you give yourself away, don't hold nothing back. Withholding nothing. You've got to give it all to God. And when you give it all to God, I promise you God's got your back in the name of Jesus. So God loves you. But how many of you have heard at some time or another that God doesn't really love you? I need you to be honest with me. As you were growing up, maybe coming up, Bonnie, do they do this all the time? They lie and don't raise their hand when you ask them a question. I saw you do it earlier and they didn't raise their hand. At some time or another, somebody was told that you never amount to anything, that you'll be just like your ancestors, that you'll never own nothing. Now the hands go up. You know what I mean, that you're ugly, that you're not attractive, that you're not smart, that you're going to have issues. You'll be a drunkard. You're going to be on drugs. You're going to have AIDS, all that kind of stuff. People speak that kind of stuff over us. The enemy uses them to give controlling prophetic utterances that cause us to not even try or want to be what God wants us to be. But you can't allow anybody, nobody to ever tell you who you're not going to become and what you're not going to do. If God be for you, who can be against you? And nobody can stop what God starts. If God ever begun to work in you, He's going to perform it until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, now are you the sons of God, but it doesn't yet appear what you shall be. But you're being changed from glory to glory into his image. You're becoming right now stronger and mightier. You're becoming right now as this word is being spoken over you. Something is happening on the inside of you. Somebody's anticipating the name of Jesus for your situation tonight, for your dilemma tonight. Those of you that are watching at home, it's the name of Jesus. Jesus and that name that name that name that name is above every name that name that name when you call that name something happens when you call that name things begin to change God loves you God 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 cares about you an enemy would make you think that God doesn't care about you or like when I was coming up I thought it was too hard to live for God I, you know I love my party I, I, I love to hang out Uh, I love to do my doom. But what I found out was when I was in university that some of the girls that I was dancing with, if you stay, stay, darling, stay. I forgot where I was. Bonnie said, don't you sing that in here. So, so, so I, what, what I want you to understand is that that's where I was. And, and, and I, was, I was in the Q house and, 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 and I would party. And then almost like Cinderella at midnight, the girls would let me go. And I go, where are you going? Why leaveth me like a thithis? Where are you going? That was Elizabethan. I just kind of threw that in there, English. And where, why are you leaving me? And they would say stuff like, Sunday school's in the morning. Sunday school? And the very people that I was getting high with and drinking with were running to church on Sunday. And so I was like, hey, 
if you can serve God and live like that, I'm going to serve God. <laughs> no, I was like, this ain't right because I was told you had to be right, but I was told wrong. I was told you had to clean your act up first. I was told wrong. I should have been told you can come as you are. And if you call upon the name of the Lord, he will save you. And these people were sincere. A couple of the girls are now pastors, are now working in ministry full time. And, you know, and, but, but at the time they struggled. Has anybody here ever struggled in your walk with God? Has anybody here ever looked up and said, my God, this is not me. Has anybody here ever had to come to yourself and say, self, this is not you. In your father's house, the servants have more to eat and plenty. I'm getting up from here. Change of heart, change of mind, change of will. I'm going home. Is there anybody here that has ever come back home, has ever come back to the house of God, ever showed back up here in celebration after acting the fool out there and you were received with open arms because the father saw the prodigal and he saw him emaciated and coming back home, having wasted all this substance and he ran towards him and fell on his neck and kissed his son and said, my boy that was lost is now found. Get the fatted calf the golden ring and the purple robe and let's have us a party let's party come on y'all party let's have a party because they're home God's happy when you come home he's blessed when you come home finally when you train up a child in the way that he goes that he should go when he gets old guess what he won't depart he'll come home again now our text reveals this to us. Uh, our text is where I'm going to end up right here with three points. In Philippians chapter 2 verse number 8, it says, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. This is one of the most powerful verses of scripture to me in all the Bible. Jesus was with the Father in the beginning as the word of God. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the same was the beginning with God. All things were made by him and through him do all things consist. That word was made flesh and dwelt among us and Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. He came through 42 generations. He came as, as a man a mere mortal man who was equal with God put it off to come down here my God son of the my God lo I go into the volume of your book to do your will he was an obedient servant and he came and was found in the fashion as a man and was a servant and was obedient unto death even the death of the cross that's the most powerful part of this verse that Jesus came to save those that are lost he went into his own and his own received him not they mistreated him they rejected him but Boy, before he ever got hung up on that cross, they took him through some stuff. Pilate washed his hands of him. The people that he came to save said, away with Jesus. Give us Barabbas. Almost said Carabbas. That's a restaurant in but give us Barabbas and they said we want a thief over this Messiah he said he was the king of the Jews uh, Pilate said are you he said you say that I am and he came being found as a fashion as a man humbled himself they took him to the whipping post and many of you have seen the movie the passion but it doesn't come close to what he went through Isaiah said he didn't even resemble a man they put a bag over his head and slapped him saying prophesy tell us who hit you he never sinned neither was the guile found in his mouth. He did not deserve the punishment that he was receiving. They plucked his beard out of his face. I plucked one hair out of my nose today and I cried for seven minutes. But they plucked his beard out of his face. The blood began to ooze. But the blood didn't even start there. It started in the Garden of Gethsemane. When he prayed, the sweat like drops of blood came out of his brow. Why? Because of what he didn't have to go through? No. But he knew that the Father's eyes are too pure to behold evil. And he knew that for one moment when he became sin, that the father would have to turn his back on him and he'd have to cry Eli Eli lama sabachthani my God my God why have you forsaken me but he knew what he had to do he came to die but they didn't want him just to die they wanted him to die the death of a sinner they wanted him to die a vile death most of the professional whippers would whip him because they wanted to get off early they would beat him until they would die at the whipping post and they whipped him with a cat of nine tails this is the son of God this is Mary's baby. This is the King of Kings. This is the Lord of Lords. And they whipped him. They flayed his back open like you would cut open a fish when you're trying to serve your friends when they come over. The raking of the rope. 
crossed his back with the bone and the metal and pulled open where you can see the sinew, the tissue, and the muscle. And every time they hit him, he was a man. It hurts! Every time they hit him, it hurts! He screamed because he was a man. And the Bible said he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by those stripes he was healed. He was being whipped for us. He was being healed. He was being whipped for us for our healing because by those stripes we are healed. He took it. He took it. They took it. He took it. After they whipped him they put the cross on his back with his back flayed open with the wounds gaping in his back bleeding from every orifice in his body. That's why Jesus Jesus wasn't some emaciated little guy that hangs on the cross even today. Remember, he got off the cross. He was the perfect man. He was a carpenter. I believe Jesus had biceps like me. I mean, like Billy Graham. I believe that Jesus was strong, man. How else can you take the whooping that he took and then carry your own cross down that Via Dolorosa, that way of suffering? Y'all not helping me here. He was a man's man. How did I know, ladies? He was a man's man. He talked to women out of well one day who knew what a man was. She had had five and the one she had wasn't hers and so he sat there and talked to her he didn't get her cell number he didn't get no nothing he didn't hit her up on Facebook he didn't try to touch her he didn't do nothing he just talked to her and she ran back to town and said come see a man now this is a real man come on y'all not helping me here he was a man and so Jesus had to carry his cross till he fell beneath the weight of the cross. And if Jesus had to have help in his cross and bearing his cross, we're going to need help in bearing our own cross. And so Jesus gets to Golgotha and they lay him on that cross and they drive nails in his hands and nails in his feet. He screams with every driving of the hammer into his hands and to the feet. And they hung him in a flex and they dropped him in a hole. There he is. He's hanging on a cross. He's naked. He's on a cross. He's shamed. He doesn't even resemble a man. He's a piece of flesh hanging there, but he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the perfect sacrifice. He's the lamb of God. He's the savior of the world. And he hangs on that cross. He could have called a legion of angels. He could have come down, but he was hung up for our hangups. He could have come off that cross, but he had you on his mind. He could have come off of that cross, but he knew we'd be here at Action Conference 2017 arising and reigning as his body. He knew that, so he stayed on the cross. And even on the cross for those who hurt him and for those who reject him, here's what he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They plunged him in the side with a spear. Out came blood and water. Without that shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And when the devil thought he had him, oh my God, what the enemy meant for evil, God meant it for good. This didn't catch God by surprise. Jesus came to die. Who did he come to die for? He came to die for you. He came to die for me. He came to die for us. He came to save the world. So wherever you are, who Wherever you are, Jesus did it for you. Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. So I want to say this to you in closing because I believe that God has something that he wants to reveal to us in this last part of this verse. He says in Philippians 2, 9, wherefore God also highly exalted him and gave him a name which is above every name. He went into the grave. But that's not the end of it, y'all. See, the good news is not that he died, didn't he die? But the good news is that on the third day, Jesus got up he was obedient unto death even the death of the cross but I already told you that God is not dead he's still alive on the third day when they got to the tomb it was empty and the gardener said why are you looking for the living amongst the dead he's not here he is risen just like he said he said destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up as Jonah was in the belly of the earth so shall the son of man be in the belly of the earth three days I wish I had some help in here. Jesus got up on the third day just like he said. And the Bible declares all power 
has been given unto him. All power in heaven and in earth. He got a name. Listen, I'm almost done. That's above every name. A name that's above depression. A name that's above addiction. A name that's above poverty. A name that's above cancer. A name that's above AIDS and HIV. A name that's above abuse. A name that's above loneliness. A name that's above fear. A name that's above every name. You name it. And Jesus' name is above it all. He has authority in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. But listen to the end of the matter. It's going to happen one day, but why not do it now? Philippians 2, 10 and 11. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess. He is risen and he is Lord. There's nobody like him. He's seated on the right hand of the Father, ever living to make intercession for us. When you're going through what you're going through the father understands because he was touched with all the feelings of our infirmities like as we are yet without sin oh my god jesus has paid it all and all to him we owe so you don't have to wait until someday you can do it right now streaming live on television you can do it right now in the overflow rooms you can do it right now in the name of jesus you can do it right now call on him because there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. So I'm telling you back in the garden, take off your fig leaves of religion. Take off your fig leaves of tradition. Take off your fig leaves of transaction and get yourself under the cross, under the blood of Jesus Christ, under the fountain of God from Emmanuel's vein. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. I was deeply stained within sinking to rise no more but the master of the sea heard my despairing cry and from the waters he lifted me now safe am I love lifted me love lifted me when nothing else could help me put those hands together and say with me there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. If you're going through something in your marriage right now, say there's power in the name of Jesus. If your money is funny right now, say there's power in the name of Jesus. Whatever it is, I want you to hold it up right now to God and say with me, there's power in the name of Jesus. Now let's do one thing, church, and you'll remember me for this long when I'm gone because I don't know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So I want to hear the name that's above every name. I want to hear the name that's got the power. I want to hear it in Zimbabwe. I want to hear it in Celebration Center. I want to hear it not from your neighbor, not from the man behind you, the woman on the side of you. I want to hear it from your belly. From your belly, let this river flow. I want everybody to call right now on the name of Jesus. On the count of three. One, two, three. Jesus. 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 Jesus! 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 Jehu! Jesus! Jesus! Everybody call him Jesus! Come on! He's not tired of hearing his name! Yahshua, he saves. Yahshua, he delivers. Yahshua, 
Hamashiach. He's our Messiah. He's the wonderful God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Jesus! 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 Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Some of you don't even know. You just got delivered because you called on the only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be delivered. So I dare you to try it again now that you know if you need deliverance. Call Jesus. 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 There is no name like the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus, everything has got to bow. Every tongue has got to confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And if you're watching via the internet, if you're streaming and you don't know him, you haven't called on him like that. I dare you in your car, I dare you with your cell phone in your hand, your iPad or your computer, I dare you just to call on the name of the Lord. I dare you right there where you are, just go, Jesus, 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 Jesus. I was sitting at home with a glass of whiskey and marijuana. Had never been inside of a church building. I didn't even know that you could call on the name of the Lord and he'll save you. I just did it instinctively. And on that day, a Tuesday in the month of September, 1983, in the middle of the day, with the light shining into my home, brighter than the sun itself, I called on the name of the Lord. Three months later, I quit a job making over $100,000 a year and I went into ministry. I never worked anywhere since. God did it. I had enough money in the bank to live residually off that funds. I had more money than I needed. And God allowed me to store it up so that he can bring me in and spend the next three years of my life pouring into me. Not tradition or religion. I was like one born out of due season. I didn't have a pastor. I didn't have a spiritual mentor. I went on my backside of a desert. The first time I partook of the Lord's Supper, I was the pastor serving it. The first funeral I ever attended in my life, I preached it. And the first wedding I ever attended outside of my own, I performed it. And it was God's grace on my life. And it was God's way of moving me and bringing me even to Zimbabwe tonight. Because it's been a process. Don't think that it happens overnight. Don't think that you can bat your eye and you're so anointed. David was anointed. And he went right back to keeping those sheep. You saw Pastor Taz up here today. That's an anointing to serve. David was anointed to serve, not to start his own church. Y'all not helping me here. And even when he started raining, he only got the tribe of Judah. He got two. And it wasn't until he hit Hebron. But Caleb, where I might talk about Sunday, said, give me this mountain, the mountain of covenant, that he was made king over all of Israel. But it was a process. So many people get an anointing and they want to go and save the world. They want to go and be their own boss, do their own thing. There are only a few with that kind of grace. But as Pastor was saying today, let's plant churches. Let's do some things. Let's reproduce ourselves. Let's go being sent and not on our own. Some were called. Some were sent. Some just picked up their briefcase and went. And I don't know why I'm saying that to somebody, but somebody needs to hear that. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.